Awesome. Well done, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, one more hand for those guys. We're so glad that you guys are with us. My name is Mike Conaway. I am the uh, pastor here at City on a Hill. We're glad that you guys are with us today, and we're going to be wrapping up our short series in the book of Jude. It's called Hey Jude. And, uh, and so today, the topic of the title is, is very simple, but not easy to do. Uh, the title is Live the Gospel. A simple title, yet a very difficult thing to do. And so um, as we look at Jude, I encourage you, if you missed last week's service, or maybe it's your first time and you want to go back, you can download our church app, which will soon be changing, by the way, to a much shorter, so please keep your emails open for that. Um, but right now it's City on a Hill Church fl You can listen there. You can go to our Facebook page. Just type in City on a Hill Church. You'll find our Facebook page. You can watch that service, but I think you'll find it very challenging for you. But today we come to this place of living the gospel. And, uh, and as we come to this, Jude has really spent time with his believers. The first thing he said was, he said, I wanted to talk to you about things we had in common, salvation. He said, but I couldn't because there were troubles and there were struggles and there were things that were happening that shouldn't happen. He said, so, so I needed to bring those things to our attention. And, uh, and so he, he tells us that our job is to not be complacent, but to contend for the faith. And then he begins to unpack what it means to contend for the faith. And, uh, and, and for us, I think it's important that we don't look back in our life and wish we had when we had the opportunity. And so, so as we look at this, we, we look and we see that he says, listen, it's important to contend for the faith. And he tells us something that I think is important for all of us, especially in a world when sometimes we can be overwhelmed and sometimes it looks like bads wins. It looks like evil wins. Um, there's a lot of times in our life where uh, the, the folks that are, are doing things that are questionable uh, kind of seem to get ahead in our workplace, our job, our school, other places. And, uh, but, but Jude reminds us that it's Jesus that will keep us from stumbling, that it's Jesus that our life has to be centered on. He reminds us that it's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus and it's always going to be about Jesus. And so, so as he starts talking about this, he starts talking about a foundation. And I got to thinking, have you ever come upon uh, a partly constructed place? Have you ever come upon a place that had, they had put the foundation and they started to build, and as they started to build, they maybe ran out of funds, maybe the project got disrupted or, dis, or, or, or disheveled, and so what happens is, is you come upon this place, and as you come upon this place, it, the foundation is ready to be built on. But the problem is, is something ran out. And I think sometimes what happens to us um, in, our, in our faith is that we, we get a believing knowledge, but not a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He spoke about this when he talks about the, uh, the, the parable of the sower. You know, some falls on good soil, some falls on rocky soil, some falls and is immediately taken away. And, and, and I think Judas trying to help us understand that our our solid foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. It's, it's the message of the cross. And I had a, a very a brave guy in our Bible study ask me a question. 
And I'd say there's no dumb questions, and I mean that. And he just said, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? When you say the word gospel, what does that mean? And I fear that there's a number of people in the church that don't know what it means when we say the word gospel. And the gospel means good news, but more importantly, who is the gospel? And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that God left the splendor of heaven, that Jesus came and was born uh, of a virgin, that he lived the perfect life as the perfect sacrifice. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he willingly gave himself as a sacrifice. A sacrifice not just for once, but once and for all, for all of us. And then he defeated Satan's sin and death. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And then he was resurrected. And at that resurrection, at that resurrection is when those uh, death, our final and, and most uh, fearful enemy is gone. And then he ascended. And the promise was, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who left is going to come back the same way. And he left us with hope. And so as we look at baptism, that's a strong foundation piece because you're going into the waters of baptism saying that you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. That's why baptism is important. Communion, something that we took this morning, something that people have taken and made it common rather than holy, forgetting it was a great sacrifice for Christ to come. And so if we look at it as cracker and juice, we should never refer to it as cracker and juice. It's not cracker and juice. It's the body of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Now, of course, we don't believe in transfiguration that it actually becomes that, but it's symbolic of that. And it's important for us to never take communion in an unworthy fashion because the holy has become common and that's what jude is talking with here because you see when jesus is the center of your life when jesus is the central focus you'll never cheapen grace you'll never cheapen his grace and so so i i got that picture as i was reading jude of this house you come upon this house the foundation's there and and then you start looking and maybe a wall's up Maybe the four walls are up. Maybe, there's the, maybe the roof is on, but you can see through it. And then I got a, another picture, another picture. And sometimes, I don't know if you've, you've ever been uh, at a place where there was um, where history. Lorena and I love history. And we go and we search places with history. And you find these dilapidated buildings, but the foundation can still be built on today. Amen. That foundation is so good and so strong, you could build a new house on it right now. Because the foundation was strong, but the walls got knocked down. And sometimes I think that's what happens to believers. I think what happens is, is we have a foundation, but our walls get knocked down. Maybe sickness, disease. Maybe God doesn't do what you think he should do. You know, Maybe you lose a loved one and you shake your fist at God instead of realizing that God has the power to keep them and, and you have the power to live with them forever. Maybe it was something that happened in your past and you want to ask how a good God could allow something like that to happen. These are the kind of things that knock down those walls. But the foundation's still there. If you built your life on the firm foundation. See, that's the big question here. And so, so I think sometimes what happens, if we're just being honest, church just becomes ritual. It just becomes a religious practice that we do. Our children don't even know why we go to church a lot of times. We just go to church because it's what we do. You go to church, you get your church clothes on, and you go to church. 
We don't ask our kids what they learned in church today. And we pray our kids don't ask us what we learned in church today. We learned a grocery list. Right? It's time to have conversations with our kids. What did you learn today? Make sure that our children's ministries are doing their job. Make sure that your pastor's doing your job and let them, why don't you ask mommy what mommy learned today? Why don't you ask grandma what grandma learned today? Make sure we're doing our work, our job. Our job is to equip you and, and prepare you. But if you're not having these conversations, these are issues that end up in a very difficult place. Something like Ash Wednesday's coming. And as Ash Wednesday approaches, many people uh, grew up in a religious background, and, and many of us Protestants, evangelicals for us, um, believe that Ash Wednesday's a Catholic thing. No, it's not. You've got to do your research. It's not a Catholic thing. It's a Protestant thing as well. It's just the Protestants just don't do a good job of it. It's true. We don't do a good job of, 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 of those things. But the truth of the matter is many of us are hurt by it because it was ritual. We came. You ask what Ash Wednesday means. Nobody knows. You come, you do your little ditty, and then we leave. But that's not what this Ash Wednesday is about. This Ash Wednesday is about relationship. I believe it's time for us as the church to redeem the ritual and make it relational again. It's time for us not to throw church away, not to throw away the things that, that grow us closer to God, but it's time to us, for, for us to make them meaningful again. It's not to, we've, we've labored and prayed over this service. The imposition of the ashes, all these things are very valuable. They've been valuable to Lorena and I for a long time. We've been going, but we want to bring it to you. But we've only been gone because it's relational. But we've been in places where it was ritual, and you could see people were just there just to do their thing, get their ashes, and leave. We were there because, man, I want to grow closer to Jesus. It's a time of remembrance. It's a time of renewal. It's a time of repentance. But all of those things come down to relationship. Remember what Jesus did for you. Jesus, renew my heart. Right? I repent. And then it puts us in right standing. And then it sets us up for 40 days of preparing our hearts and getting closer to God. Not ritual, but relational. But it will only be what we make it. It'll only be what, your relationship with Jesus will only be what you make it. Jesus already loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. You can say that, and if it makes you mad, I apologize. No, I don't. I don't. Because the Bible says very clearly that you are loved before you were, uh, before you were even known by, before you even knew God, he loved you. And he loves you more. None of these things, coming to Ash Wednesday is not going to make God love you more. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. But you can love God more by showing up, Amen. by remembering Him, by renewing your faith, Amen. by repenting, Amen. by intentionally building a relationship. You see, I really believe that those foundations we talk about, it's not about people wanting a heart transplant. You know what I think they want? Behavior modification. And that's what happens to people when their faith fizzles out. It fizzles out because they thought behavior modification. God's going to make me a good boy or God's going to make me a good girl. He's not going to make you. You have to work in concert with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You are not possessed by God. 
You know, demons possess people, but God does not possess you. God indwells in you. And it's a partnership. A partnership for you and I. And so it's important for us to understand that. And so the problem is, is when we don't have a heart transplant, but we have behavior modification, we white knuckle things, and then we mourn, listen to me, we mourn results we didn't work for. We mourn results we didn't work for. Right? Wish I was closer to God, but you didn't do anything to get closer. I wish I prayed more, but you don't. I wish this and I wish that. Well, you can wish all day long, but until you do, don't mourn it. Don't mourn it. Man, you know so much about the Bible. I don't know anything. Well, maybe you should start reading it. And then we mourn, I don't know, it's Daniel and Goliath and David in the lion's den. Right? Right? And we mourn those things that we didn't work for. We mourn those relationships. Some of, some of the guys, they see other guys hanging around and they see this group of guys that have this very close-knit relationship and they mourn not having that, but they don't show up in the trenches on Wednesday night. And they want that, but they mourn that and say, those guys are exclusive. Those guys are, those, those guys are, look at them. They, they only talk to themselves. No, they talk to everybody. It's just, they know each other. So they build the same with the women's Bible study, the same way with small groups, all those things. We mourn the things we didn't do. And then we make accusations against other people. The small group who knows one another and takes care of one another and loves one another. Oh, look at them over there. But we didn't do anything to give ourselves to those people. The problem sometimes is us. And Jude here, he's helping us to understand. Jude says we have to build our life on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And then he gives explanation. We have to keep ourselves in God's love, eagerly wait for return of Jesus while remaining confident that Jesus will keep us and protect us. And so many of us make this ridiculously selfish claim that we don't even see as selfish. I don't need church. What a selfish thing for you to say. What if the church needs you? What if the person that you're missing, you had the testimony that person needed, but you decided that you didn't need church because you weren't getting anything out of it, but you also weren't putting anything into it, right? And then we keep ourselves from the very thing that can build a relationship with us. God doesn't hear my prayers. What an accusation against God. Did you know there's nothing he can't do? So for you to actually accuse God of not hearing your prayer, who do you think you are? Who in the world do you think you are to make such an accusation against God? God doesn't listen to me. Yes, he does. He just doesn't do what you want, when you want it, Because you want to be God and you want him to be your genie. 
It's true. God, do this. And if you don't do it, and then you want to make deals with God, then you think you can barter with God. If you do this, God, I'll do this. And he's like, no, you won't. I can see the future, and I already know you won't. So stop lying now. So we look and we ask ourselves, how, how, do we, how, how do we do this? How do we live for the gospel? Well, you, first, you've got to remember what Jesus did. You know, another thing, while I'm just getting it all out, I may as well just get it all out. Another thing that just absolutely drives me a million percent bananas is when we get these pseudo-scholars. And you know what they say? You know what they say, Brother Art? They say this, I need a deeper teaching. I need a deeper teaching. You know what I say to them? Explain the incarnation to me. Because that's the gospel. I want you to explain the cross and everything that the cross meant. Can you explain that to me? Well, no, I just need a deeper teaching. No, what you want is you want something that's going to tell you how to be a success or something other than the good news. You want something other than Jesus. Good morning. No one wants to preach that. But it's true. I need a deeper. I wish you would explain to me what a deeper teaching is. I've studied theology, eschatology, pneumatology, and half the people in the room don't even know what any of those things mean. And neither do I sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They think I started speaking in tongues just now. You know, they miss it. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus and the gospel is the deepest teaching you'll ever get. Don't abandon it. This Easter, please don't think you know everything about the Easter story. Why do you think we're doing Good Friday? Because I want to unpack what it really means. Easter, what does it really mean? communion what does it really mean baptism what does it really mean the book of jude what does it really mean these are the things that we must seek and so the first thing you do is you build your life on the solid foundation of faith in jesus through prayer switch to that black there's a black background uh, reggie right there right next to hey jude there's a black background just click that one time for me I'm praying it's there. <laughs> now click the first slide again. There. Because they weren't going to be able to read that, Reg. <laughs> I'm trying to hook them up, you know. Build your life on the solid foundation of faith in Jesus and prayer. But you must remember. What is Ash Wednesday about? The first thing? Remembrance. Oh, I don't want to give my Wednesday up for that. Then Pastor Mike's going to know I'm available on Wednesday. <laughs> and he's going to be looking for me to follow in Wednesday at men's Bible study. So I, I might not, some of y'all might not have figured that out. Now I just cut my numbers, you know. <laughs> we definitely ain't going now. Beloved, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. 
Worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, loved ones, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. He says, guys, you have to build your faith through prayer. And we've made prayer something that it's not. Some mystic thing that it's not. There's no position for prayer aside from humility. You can pray in your car. You can pray in your workplace. You can pray, you can pray all the time anywhere. You don't have to be on your knees. You can be laying in your bed. You can be laying face down. You can be standing. You can pray any way you want, but please don't pray. But here's the excuse. God doesn't hear my prayers. The only prayers God doesn't hear are the ones you don't pray. And I'm going to tell you something else while I'm getting it all out. Isaiah 58. You know why God says he doesn't hear your prayers and your fasts? Because you don't care about people. And, and the motivation for your prayers is selfish. The motivation for your prayers is so that you get more. Read Isaiah 58. He says, you pray and you fast and you think you can manipulate me? I'm God. He said, until you start doing, until you start caring about the poor... Until you start caring about the poor, until you start caring about what I care about, I choose not to listen. I hear you, but I choose not to listen to you because you think that your little festivals and your prayers and your rituals are going to motivate me, but I'm interested in relationship. And when you show me that you love me by loving what I love, I hear you every day. He told Daniel who prayed six, let me know when you prayed 65 years for something and it hasn't happened. Holler at your boy then. But until then, Daniel, the Bible says, I heard you the first time you prayed. That's what God told Daniel. And he prayed 65 years to be free. 65 years. Some of us are on 6.5 days and we're mad. Right? It's true. He says... Jude says, listen, man, I'm going to holler back. I'm going to call back again to the scriptures. And he says, do you remember that the apostles told you and Jesus himself told you that people were going to come and be false prophets to you? He says, do you remember that, that, that Paul in 1 Timothy, he told you, Peter in 2 Peter, John in 1 John, and Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 told you people were going to come and be false prophets he said they're going to present themselves as godly, but they're ungodly. But you have to take a stand. Judah's basically telling us false teachers have got to be dealt with, but they can't be dealt with if you don't know. If you don't know the word. Because there's another guy, he's an enemy, and he may know it better than you. But he may not. You see, Satan thought he could convince the author of the book of something that wasn't true, right? You've got to be careful. Listen, you need to check out what I say. I'm a pastor. I love you, but, and I work hard to present this, but y'all should be checking it out. If I start telling you to look up book, the first book of Hesitations, y'all should be knowing some people are like, amen, pastor. Yes, Lord. You know? 
Lord, I need a job. Let me get in that book a job. Right? You know it's what's up, you know? Some people are in there looking for hesitations now. I better get this before my neighbor doesn't know I don't know this thing. One of the bravest things you can do, by the way, in church is actually look at the table of contents because it lets somebody else know you're growing. It lets somebody else know you're growing. You're not afraid to admit, I don't know where Zephaniah is. I didn't even know they had a Zephaniah, right? Some people ain't going to do that, you know. That's why sometimes when I pick Jude, (laughs) not going to say it, not going to say it. You pick Jude, it's one page, and everybody's like, that's you just go to the electronic app. You just say, like, "Found it." But we cannot. We must not build our lives on false doctrine. Some of the things that we have believed for years are not in the Bible. And let me be clear: you're not going to find Ash Wednesday in the Bible. No. It doesn't say Ash Wednesday, but you'll find what the meaning of ashes are. You'll find what the meaning of sacrifice is. You'll find what the meaning of remembrance, renewal, and repentance is. You'll find all of those things, and this is just a way for us to get closer to Jesus. That's all we want. And if you found a Bible and a doctrine that suits you and meets all your wants and desires... You got problems. The Bible has to confront you at some place. It confronts me all the time. And I want to make it work, but it can't. Because it's God's word. It's God's word all the time or none of the time. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you do not exercise your faith, you'll be weak. Some people who say, I'm not strong, and I say, well, do you go to the gym? No. Well, no wonder. (laughs) Unless you're country strong, and that's a whole different kind of strong. (laughs) Y'all know some country strong people. You know what I'm saying? Ain't never picked up a weight, but they'll be carrying you around, you know? There's some big country strong folks out there. So I look for on CareFest Day, put me with somebody country strong, you know? (laughs) (laughs) but if we don't build our life on the foundation we'll never listen to me i want you to hear this very carefully because remember we talked about the house and we talked about if we don't build our house on the firm foundation we'll never have a place of shelter when the storms come and the storms are going to come in your life they're going to come but we'll have a firm foundation and we'll have a place to close the door called the gospel The second thing I want you to see is we have to keep yourselves and remain in God's love. That's what Jude says. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Be careful of religion. Be careful of ritual. But focus on relationship. He tells us to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus Jesus. He tells us to keep ourselves in God's love. How? Through fellowship with God, fellowship with God's people, prayer, God's word, service. When you serve Jesus, you are close 
to God. When you humble yourselves through remembrance, remembering what Jesus did because we're forgetful. Through renewal, constantly being renewed in our minds and our thoughts and our actions. Through repentance, constantly repenting and and striving not for perfection, but to be closer to God because we're not perfect. We're what? We must remain in God's love. That means we devote ourselves to prayer, to demonstrating His love through obedience. We keep ourselves and remain in His love by staying alert and reminding ourselves that Jesus is coming. I think so. I think the church has given up on Jesus' return. And you know what I believe? I believe we just think we're going to see Him when we die. But we don't believe the trumpet could sound today. We don't believe it could happen today. The only way we're going to see Him is if we die. No, it could happen today. But the church has lost that. Why? Because the foundation is missing. We don't remember when we do communion, we don't remember that the Lord Jesus' promise to come back. We just remember His sacrifice. That's it. But we don't remember His return. It's not enough. We have to remember His return. His sacrifice was so that He could come back for us. Build our lives on that foundation, waiting with expectation. We would evangelize our friends and neighbors more if we really believed today could be the last day. But I don't know if we do. We would share with our friends. We would share with a stranger. I don't want to see anyone, anyone away from God forever. Unless they choose. And that's between them and God. But I surely don't want to be the one that stands before God. No, and I had a chance to make it hard to go to hell in St. Petersburg. And I didn't. Because I was comfortable. The final thing is right here for us. It says, live the gospel. Be merciful and compassionate to keep yourselves and others from stumbling. Look at what Jude says. He says, have mercy on those who doubt. Can you say amen to that? Sometimes you need mercy and sometimes I need mercy. Did you know doubt is a healthy part of faith? Did you know that? Doubt doubt is a healthy part of faith. How else are you going to grow? Did, you, did Jesus punish Thomas for doubting? No. Thomas got to do something nobody else got to do. He got to put his hands there to prove it. And even after he said, no, I don't need to, Jesus like, oh, no, you're doing this. You're doing this because you're going to know, and then people who come behind you who don't get to do it, they're going to be stronger and greater than you. Doubt is healthy. And do we have to beat everybody down because they're struggling and they don't know if there's a God? Maybe you reveal there is a God by the way you live and love them. Look, he says, saving others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior. What did he say? The only God. The only God. Our Savior through Lord Jesus, through the Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 
so how do I live the gospel? I'm glad you asked. Be merciful. Be merciful. Show mercy to those who doubt. If someone's struggling, go on a journey. But you know what we're afraid of? We're afraid somebody's going to know that we have doubts. We're afraid that somebody's going to know that, that we don't have all the answers. And let me just let you know as your pastor, I don't have all the answers. But if you come to me, we'll go on a journey together to find them. And there are those in this room that will testify to that. We'll go on a journey to find those answers. But, but I'm willing enough to say I'm not God. I didn't write the book. But I'm trying to know him more so I can love him more. So let's go on a journey together. Let me have mercy with you. See, I don't understand how a good God could do this. And some people think that evil proves there is no God. And the actual truth of the matter is evil proves there is a God. Because if there was no good, you would not know what evil is. But people never thought about that. Look at what he says. Tell us to live the gospel the best way and we'll snatch people out of the fire. You can see that in 2 Corinthians 5.11 and you can see it in Zechariah 3, 1 through 4 where it's a beautiful picture of literally like a fireman snatching people out of the fire. And that's what we do. We snatch people out of the fire because guess what? We've been snatched out of the fire. Isn't that awesome? I love that. We've been, God has pulled us out. And guess what? The Bible said we don't even smell like smoke. Don't you love that? Y'all better read. Some people are like, what's he talking about? That's called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if you need some help, go to get the veggie tails, Rack Shack and Benny. Rack Shack and Benny. I'm telling you. I'm letting it set for me because people are like, rack, shack, veggie tails. Verse 24 is clearly telling us it's all about Jesus. He's the only way, the only one that can keep us from stumbling. There's nothing else. You can't white knuckle it. Behavior modification is not going to work. Only spiritual renewal will work. We live the gospel and it helps us to stay on the straight and narrow. When you're living the gospel, it's easier to stay on the straight and narrow because you're living the gospel. We're not perfect, but we're being perfected and that's a daily work. Our way of life, listen to me. Do you know how Jude pointed out false teachers? He pointed it out in verse 18 when he said, uh, he said they said uh, to you, in the last time there'll be scoffers following our own ungodly passions. That's how you ID people. If you want to know who people are living for, look what they're following. Are they following God or their ungodly passions? And can I just make one, one very clear thing? known it doesn't always have to be overtly evil sometimes a good thing can keep you from a god thing i said sometimes a good thing can keep you from a god thing there was a conference that i was going to for years and i stopped going because they stopped talking about god and only started talking about good and i do not do good for the sake of good i do good to the glory of god i'm sorry but I'm gonna, I'll dig water for you all day long as long as you know that living it came from living water. Amen. Now, you don't have to accept it, but you're going to know why I'm here digging this well because I'd rather be back in America doing what I do. 
But I'm here to dig this well because there's good news and it can bring forth water from your spirit. I don't feed people just to feed them. I feed them because it's hard for people to hear about living bread when their bellies are growling. But they do know where it came from. Jesus woke me up on a Saturday to feed you. If not, I'd be in my bed from the bender last night. Right? I'm just trying to make sure we're all on the same page because some people are going, oh, what is he talking about? But listen, we live the gospel. He literally tells us the way of life will show you a clear sign what people believe. Our way of life is a clear sign of who we are and what we believe. And Jude tells us, listen very carefully to this. Jude tells us that we're supposed to be a community brought together by Jesus for Jesus. That's what we're here for. So all the things that we do always come back to one thing, Jesus. I don't do anything for plaques or awards. I don't do anything to get invited to special gatherings where I have to wear a suit. I don't do any of that for that. It's hard for them to put me on something because I, and, and also they know unless I'm praying in the name of Jesus, do not invite me because Jesus' name is getting mentioned all up in my prayer the whole time. So you bring me out, you bring me out and say, out of respect for others, I'm not going to pray that. And yes, I am. Out of love for others, I'm going to be like, in Jesus' name, the only God who is wise, amen. I don't get invited very often anymore. <laughs> but at least I'm honest with them. I tell them, hey, listen, if you invite me, Jesus is going to be all real loud up in there, you know? These people, these other guys get up there and they acknowledge other gods. I'm not here to acknowledge your other gods. I'm here to acknowledge one God, the only God, because as far as I'm concerned, there are no other gods. Big G, there's little G gods all day long, but there's only one big G. And you know what I'm going to say, he's the OG. I know that's bad, but there it is. There it is. The original God. So our way of life. Do I think that we needed another service to attend? No. I'm doing Ash Wednesday for you and for me so we can get to know Jesus better. And then we're going to spend 40 days trying to get to know Jesus better. That's all I really want. That's, 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 that's the end game for me is that you know Jesus. It's not going to be like any service. We don't let them look like other services. On purpose. There won't be an offering because we didn't come to pillage you. Every special event, offering, offering. Well, you know, we don't do that. We didn't come to take from you. We came to add value to you. All we ask is that you show up. And all we ask is that you come with a humble heart seeking Jesus. And if we do that together, we'll never be the same, man. Ever. But it all comes back down to one simple thing. And I've shared the gospel. And I told you there's never ever a Sunday at City on a Hill where the gospel is not called for a response. And today, I don't know if you know Jesus, but he knows you. And I don't know if you know he loves you, but my, my life verse tells me that he does. Because in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Better yet, scripture starts with, but God demonstrated his love in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? 
And so here's the coolest thing. Anybody who believes and anybody who receives, see, that's where that building starts to go up. The foundation is that belief, that receive. And what's the first fruit of belief? <laughs> repentance. That's the first place. And you know what repentance means? God, I agree with you. I need you. I can't, do, I can't go another day without you. So if you need Jesus, and let me tell you, you need him more than your next heartbeat or more than your next breath. He's waiting right here, right now, to hear you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's everything he says he is. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And God, we presented the gospel today. And God, I just pray for each and every person here, if they're here today and they need you more than their next breath or their heartbeat, that right now they'll just make that choice right now. If you're here and you say, that's my choice today, my choice right now, if you'll just slip your hand up high, Jesus is my choice, yes. Yes, Jesus is my choice. Yes, thank you. Jesus is my choice. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this prayer from your heart to God's. We just simply, in, in our, from our heart, we just say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I receive you. And because I receive you, I am forgiven. I am new. I am changed. You are my foundation. Holy Spirit, come and live in me. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected, and I'll run back to you every single time. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, and all God's people said, Amen. can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's good? If you said